0: Welcome to DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sector's podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space, sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. The format for our conversations on DMOU is elegantly simple. It's three questions and a bonus round. And this episode is sponsored by our friends at Civitas. Through innovative funding models, John Lambeth and the Civitas team empower destinations with the resources to strengthen economic and community development worldwide. These innovative funding mechanisms have generated nearly $2 billion for clients globally, and their expert team delivers unequaled knowledge, depth, and expertise to destinations and communities that seek sustainable funding solutions to fuel their futures. To learn more, go to civitasadvisors.com. And now it's on to our show, Sophia heider is the Chief Inclusion Officer for Destinations International. In this role, Sophia provides thought leadership and strategic direction for the design and implementation of social inclusion resources, tools, and services for association members and the broader tourism industry. Sophia has created sustainable social inclusion frameworks for over 20 years. Prior to joining DI, she was the founder and CEO of Papelia an organization dedicated to developing tailored inclusion strategies, training and coaching services for the travel industry. She has extensive experience as an international development practitioner, working around the world on economic development, gender empowerment, workforce development and sustainability projects. Sophia is on the board of the Center for Responsible Tourism. She is a yoga and meditation instructor, and she's written for numerous travel publications about diverse representation, family travel and wellness. Her love for travel started at the age of 10 when she moved from California to Sri Lanka. Since then, Sophia has been to 40-plus countries and plans to inspire her children to be citizens of the world through mindful travel and learning about their Bengali-American heritage. Sophia Haiderhok, welcome to DMOU.
1: Thank you, Bill.
0: You know, we've been talking about getting you on this show, I think, since the first day you started at DI. (laughs) And we've just been waiting for that right moment, and I think it just happened. Just this week, we got the communique from Destinations International that there's a change afoot. And I think we've been waiting for this moment, and it has dropped into our laps. And here we go. First question. From that angry summer of 2020 to today, it's been a fascinating journey in America as we collectively address DEI, EDI, whatever it's now going to be called. But there's been an evolutionary shift that Destinations International has embraced over the past few months, and we're all about to see new tools, new resources to help members more effectively traverse this chasm. Social inclusion is the new, more inclusionary term that DI is embracing. So tell us about the shift, tell us about the why, tell us what this means and how the shift will benefit us all.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. There's so much to say here. I want to let you know that, you know, I've been at DI for about two years now. And over the past two years, I've taken the time to talk with our members. We have over 700 members now across the world. And I also pay attention to what's taking place in the world given the background that I have in, in development work and, and policy development. And for us, for DI, the shift is taking place for a variety of reasons. One, as you know we talk about DEI, EDI, I've noticed a, a siloing effect that's taking place where a lot of people tend to say, you know, I did that work. I've taken those trainings, but you know what's really important to me? Crime and safety is important to my destination right now. Homelessness, mental health. These issues are critical and I need to focus on them. I've heard that and I felt the fatigue take place along with the siloing. And so as I heard the different feedback from our members or, you know, in media, I thought this work is so important. It's at the core of life of what we do as human beings. Absolutely. And what are some ways where we can really start to connect the dots between diversity, equity, inclusion, and the critical issues that our destinations are facing that are a part of society. And I had some time to think Over uh, this past summer, during maternity leave, I will be honest, it was thinking it was not working. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I was thinking about all these issues that we're facing with. And I thought, you know, we have to connect those dots. And the shift that we're taking right now is critical, because our destinations are faced with so many so many issues beyond being a destination management organization or a destination marketing organization what we thought about was you know if we can help our destinations connect the dots provide them with resources provide them with the why inclusion is so critical to their growth and well-being why not do it
0: mm-hmm.
1: what we have come up with may take some time to adopt but it's it's a shift in thinking It's a shift from siloing diversity, equity, inclusion work solely to race or ethnicity or to age. We're taking it broader. And social inclusion in our lens is very much through a welcoming and belonging lens. So we're going to tackle topics and cover topics such as accessibility, uh, board diversity, uh, community representation and engagement, underrepresented populations, uh, diversification and development of workforce, uh, supplier diversity, migration and immigration, uh, crime and safety, homelessness. These are all issues that our destinations are, are working through. But at the heart of that, it's inclusion. It's treating people as human beings. We're trying to really understand different perspectives, different abilities. Um, and by doing that, the premise there is it lead to greater community trust and vitality and vibrant economic growth, which is really critical for our destinations.
0: And nobody can argue that and uh, be honest that there are going to be some people who have fallen into the silo effect that you speak of, but at the end of the day, you, you use the word welcoming. I mean, there's a reason we call them welcome centers. It's what we do. It's core mm-hmm. to everything that a DMO stands for is welcoming people to the community. And so this just elegantly layers right over.
1: That's the hope. And that's the important part of this inclusion work. We're in the hospitality industry. We're a sector of the hospitality industry. We're supposed to be hospitable. (laughs) Um, right? Right? Right. And that means that we'll do everything we can to be welcoming to our visitors, to create a sense of belonging for not only our visitors, but the community. And the core of that are human beings. So social inclusion is complex, but if we can use a more empathetic mindset to really try to connect, right? Isn't that what travel is all about? If we can do that through this lens and to be able to find the time to understand these linkages, it's my hope that we can create a more inclusive sector within the travel industry.
0: So I love that social inclusion removes the silos, removes the barriers But at the same time, one could be concerned that the really core elements of what this past three years of DEI has been about might get lost in the shuffle. How do we ensure that that doesn't happen?
1: That's a great question, Bill. I really wanna emphasize the fact that this term that we're using encompasses all the work that we have done the past five years Mm -hmm. so there's no diluting of the importance of uh, justice issues that are taking place in the united states or indigenous rights that's talked about in canada as examples this umbrella term and the topics underneath the social inclusion lens only amplify the work that we've done in the past to really get beyond terms and to get towards action. okay, And that's where we need to be is creating ways where we can implement initiatives that include people of all backgrounds, abilities that have been underrepresented in the past.
0: So what you're really saying here is because of the new broader social inclusion, there is a home for each one of the silos, should someone really wanna choose to focus on justice, but that it allows us to go much bigger in welcoming
1: people to our communities. Absolutely, absolutely. And what's interesting about this term, Bill, is that we are complex people, we're not a monolith, and we're an intersection of so many different identities. And this shift along with the work that we're doing Will help amplify that as well.
0: So you mentioned the indigenous work that is being done in Canada. So this is really not just North America. We're talking globally, correct?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. This term and the topics under the social inclusion umbrella are truly global in nature. Uh, when we were developing our concept, we made sure to engage our Canadian members as well as our global members, our pathfinders, to be specific um, in Europe, to understand you know, what are the issues that you're faced with and what terms resonate with your enabling environment. And we came up with this term in a truly inclusive way.
0: So, as you've mentioned, social inclusion includes all kinds of accessibility, not just racial, and it actually amplifies EDI. So, tell us how DEI is going to incentivize its members to, as my favorite Rafiki said, look harder.
1: That's, that's a fantastic reference. In the past, I'd say the past year, we've had, if we're going back to terms, we've talked about DEIA. Um, I-D-E-A. So Mm -hmm. accessibility is kind of the fourth acronym that has been added on, rightfully so. So again, what we are aiming to do is to create more inclusion around accessibility. And we have a partnership with TravelAbility, Jake Steinman is, is the founder of TravelAbility. And yeah. we've talked a lot about the fact that accessibility is a really interesting part of inclusion. And what Jake refers to is the fact that in some way or form, we as humans will all touch upon and be a part of the accessibility movement as we age or as we have maybe temporary uh, disabilities that come into our life. So one of our focuses is on accessibility this year because it's at least one way for our destinations to be able to come together and to understand the different nuances of what accessibility means. From physical to the unseen, um, neurodiversity, the autism spectrum, there's so many different lenses, yeah. you know, and, and so what we're going to do is to be able to highlight and provide more guidance around these different lenses. I will tell you that last year we had launched our first ever um, equity, diversity and inclusion assessment tool, our EDI assessment tool. And the findings from that tool, you know, one of the, the parts of that tool is an accessibility section. And what was really interesting is that a lot of our destinations had reported that they didn't have uh, an accessibility plan. Uh, and there was a lot of areas of opportunity that, and areas of growth that needed to take place in that area. And as we found that the data to support that we wanted to make sure that we could also provide resources towards the development of different accessibility related needs. So this partnership with Jake is something we're really excited about um, because we're in the process of developing a destination playbook, which is aimed to help our destinations get started on their accessibility plan and to be able to implement different elements of accessibility within their website and their messaging. So it doesn't have to be something that is um, expensive, but it just has to be something that's intentional. And that's something that we're really excited about as well as making accessibility more accessible for our destinations to implement.
0: And, And this is the hard part, right? Because it's different terms and being sensitive to using the right words and you know, accessibility can mean a lot of different things, just as social inclusion can. And I think we need to also go right. down the path that this is not just about accessibility for people with different abilities, which is, I mean, it's, it's huge. And as Jake has said, and we've mm-hmm. had him on the show, the percentage of those of us that have some sort of disability already, maybe not that we're in a wheelchair or that we are visibly disabled, we all do have some. And so if we want to be the welcoming destination, we have to take into consideration Mm -hmm. that those individuals are there. But I, I can almost see the whole point of accessibility going even further. I mean, how are we as a destination accessible to all socioeconomic levels? How are we accessible to those who are fearful of crime or getting caught up in some sort of political movement or event. Accessibility goes forever, right?
1: It absolutely does. And, you know, something that is now near and dear to my heart for at least five or six years now as a parent is also the parental accessibility as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: What's interesting about the parental accessibility is that I didn't realize quite honestly, uh, curb cuts and sidewalks until I was pushing a stroller.
0: Funny how that happens.
1: Isn't it? Isn't it? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, And I have a lot of empathy now in a lot of different ways. And so I think that's the other aspect that sometimes we don't think about. Uh, To your point, is there a variety of different um, ways to think about accessibility? And that's just another example of, The discussions that I want to take place with our social inclusion lens. To have this kind of conversation is what it's all about. So we can actually move towards uh, more productive discussion and ways to think about how to create a more welcoming destination for everyone.
0: So as you said just a moment ago, this has been the conundrum, right, for DMOs for the past three or four years. How do we start down what is often an exceptionally important path, but also uncomfortable to begin the conversation. The goal can, and I think has been, and we've probably talked to many DMO CEOs around the world that just don't believe they can attain any purchase of achieving these goals. What are some of the new resources and tools? You mentioned the playbook with Jake. What are some of the other resources and tools that Destinations International is going to be launching in the next month?
1: Great, great question. So my vision for our new website is you'll see a graphic and at the center of this graphic, you'll see social inclusion at the center. And around this graphic, you'll also see all the topics that we aim to include under the social inclusion lens.
0: And several of those topics are ones that I will be willing to bet almost anything, there's going to be a couple that people are going to go, oh, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: never thought of that one. And that's going to be the beauty of it, I think.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely, Bill. And that's the goal, is to have those light bulb moments to say, I didn't think of crime and safety being uh, associated with inclusion. Yeah. and. You know, and that right there will spark conversation. And again, when you bring up accessibility, what we aim to do is to be accessible for all of our members, small, medium, and large, different geographies and different settings across the world. And what we'll have per each topic is a general definition of the topic. We'll have why it's important for the destination, will include local ideas on the types of partnerships to consider with that topic. Mm -hmm. And then the best part, I think, is being able to gather member resources. We always talk about wanting to learn from each other. And I've always wanted to create a platform that helps us do just that, you know, DI is so good with our online community and the events that we have, and there's always such good discussion. But I want to make sure that our website for social inclusion is very dynamic, and you're coming back to it to learn more. Uh, What are my colleagues um, doing with respect to crime and safety? Let me look at the case studies underneath that topic. What are some resources or local partners that I haven't thought about that I should just uh, be able to um, touch base with. So we want to be able to provide our members with ways to help them digest these really complex topics and help them realize that you won't, as a DMO or a DO, you you won't solve homelessness, but you can affect change. And here are some local NGOs to consider reaching out to to understand more about homelessness in your destination, so that's the goal: is to be able to find these resources that you can access really easily, along with help for you know for the questions that you have, and that's what our team is here for: is to also be that resource, to be the human behind um, this thought leadership.
0: And so, this website—you term it a website—is it a portion of the? MothershipDI.org, or is it a freestanding website?
1: It's going to be a portion, it's going to be part of the DI website. It's going to be a part of the social inclusion section. So before you had the EDI section and the resources, and now it will be um, the social inclusion section, starting with the definition, why our shift has taken place, the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals that we align with, and then this dynamic graphic that you're able to really delve into to learn more about.
0: And I would imagine that your dream for this section of the website is that it is not static at all, that members, even non-member DMOs can and are encouraged to share their case studies of how they've broken through on any one of those many topics, correct?
1: Absolutely. That's the goal yeah. is, you know, yep. I want to have our members be inspired by the their, the ideas that they have or something that they've learned. And I would like for this site to be dynamic and to just constantly be able to provide resources that our members are looking for, um, you know, with with all these really really difficult topics that are very societal in nature, you know, it just amplifies this community that's so amazing um, that we've created at yeah. DI. Well,
0: Sophia, thank you for all you are doing. This is an exciting evolution of the work that you began a few years ago. And can you tell us the URL that, or is it just find social inclusion on the homepage of destinationsinternational.org?
1: It will be on the homepage of Destinations International. Okay, great. Yes. Excellent.
0: All right. Well, I tell you what, we can't let you go before it's bonus round time. Your bonus round question, I, this one stacks up to be probably one of the most interesting lead-in questions I think I've ever asked anybody in over 130 episodes. So here we go. Most kids want a puppy, a kitten, a goldfish. When you were growing up, you wanted an elephant, Tell me about this.
1: I, I thought you would find that funny. Yes, I did.
0: <laughs> but even better is how your parents handled it.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, I'm the youngest of six, and we didn't have any house pets because my mom had enough to deal with. Right. And and when, when we moved to Sri Lanka, I was 10 years old, and I just loved going to the park and, you know, going to going to see elephants, I'd go to school, and there would be elephants walking on the way to school with me. And I woke up one day, and, you know, I was very excited about my idea. And I ran downstairs. And I remember telling my parents, you know, I really want an elephant. And, And they didn't say no, they didn't say no to me. They said, you know what, Sophia, how about this, we're going to go to the elephant orphanage, And we're going to spend a full day there. And I want you to make sure that you understand, you know, how to be able to feed them if you're going to be responsible for them and what you're going to do with them every day. So let's spend the day, see what their lifestyle is like, and think about how much it's going to cost and if you can afford it with your allowance. And I said, okay, all right, no problem. I was so excited. Sure. Isn't that great? Sure. Yeah. They didn't say no, and I'll never forget that. So we did that. We went to the orphanage. I have pictures I can show it to you one day, and I did. I, I found this one elephant that was uh, three days old. It was the cutest thing, and I stood there. I will never forget this, Bill. I stood there watching this elephant drink 32 gallons of milk in one sitting. Wow. Wow. And I just kept on looking at the person feeding this elephant like bottle after bottle. I'm thinking, how am I going to afford this? Like I was just kind of like, counting, counting the number in the back of my head, like, oh, I don't, I can't afford even like two bottles of milk. How am I going to afford 32? <laughs> and they had these big rice balls, three big rice balls, you know, filled with yolk that they ate. And then they did a lot of lumber work, played in, in the mud bath took their bath and then came back and had another 32 gallons. (laughs) And I'm thinking, Oh no, this is, this is not going to (laughs) work. And so the end of the day, both my parents said, so you've seen uh, how they interact, how much they eat. And you know, what do you think? Which one have you chosen? And I said, I looked at my dad and I said, you know, I don't think I can afford this. And I said, how about we just come back and visit them once in a while? And he said, are you sure? I said, yes. He said, okay. Yes. And we all walked out, I think, exactly where we all wanted to be.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And no one was crying.
0: Such wise parents. Wow.
1: That's a lesson learned.
0: Yeah, amazing story. What With your kids, what are you going to say when they want an elephant? Same thing?
1: I don't know yet. <laughs> I I will tell you, I still want an elephant and I still can't afford it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. Can anybody, right? (laughs) Uh, Great story. Great story. Sophia, again, thank you for all you do, for helping us all better understand the opportunities that are before us, that inclusion brings. Uh, You are playing a magnificent role at Destinations International and you're a beacon for all of us and thank you.
1: Thank you, Bill, for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: You bet. That's it for this edition of DMOU. Tell your friends and peers, this is where the best and the brightest tell their stories. Past episodes of DMOU are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and most podcast platforms. So subscribe on your preferred platform and you'll get notified the minute any new episode drops. Thanks again to our sponsor of this episode, our friends at Civitas. Through innovative funding models, Civitas empowers destinations with the resources to strengthen economic and community development worldwide. Those innovative funding mechanisms have generated nearly $2 billion for clients globally. Their expert team delivers unequaled knowledge, depth, and expertise to destinations and communities that seek sustainable funding solutions to fuel their futures. To learn more, go to CivitasAdvisors.com. DMOPros.com is where you're going to find more on our services to the DMO sector, plus links to our book, Destination Leadership, a subscription form for the Z News, which is free, our position papers on board diversity and the future of community marketing, as well as links to earlier episodes of DMOU and also the biggest DMO job board on the planet. That's DMOPros with a Z.com. Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White, and this is a production of DMO Pros. I'm your host, Bill Geist. Until next time.